so uh, chestnuts are slowly roasting, geese are piling on the pounds, and Chris V has been stuck in traffic for about a month, all of which means that, yes, tis the season for another podcast. So welcome to episode four of Podular Stand, a podcast for the likes of Doncaster, coming to you this time from that log cabin where they filmed the Wham's last Christmas video. And um, for those who don't know, I'm Glenn Wilson, editor of the now actual award-winning fanzine Popular Stand. And with me again are not so much the gold of the fanzine, but more it's Frankincense and Myrrh, uh, editor of the London Economic, Jack Pete. Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, and imminent children's book author, James McMahon. I like that. Yeah. Merry Christmas, one and all. Um, so we start by looking back at uh, December then, December for the Rovers, uh, three league matches. There was a Checker Trade trophy, but, um, but we don't need to worry about that because I don't even know what happened in it. I know we went out. I did, I did think on the day, if those fixtures just didn't happen on the Tuesday, yeah. do you think anyone would have actually realised? I think there's very few um, competitions in general or at all yeah. where you could, you could legitimately wipe out a good 10 fixtures and people would be like oh, I didn't even realise they're on but to be fair though you could do that with the Champions League or Europa League and I wouldn't know this well so. yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, so we'll focus on the league then three games two two wins and a, and a defeat uh, which started um, at Stevenage back at the uh, the start of the month a game all three of us were present for some of us all of it some of us <laughs> most of it yeah I reckon what I reckon I saw 75% of it maybe but you still only missed one goal. Which yeah, the best twenty-five percent. Quite frustrated that none of the scoring happened until you got there, and then it all started. I, I mean, I've been following Rovers a long time. They they bow to my tune. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that Stevenage game, then obviously uh, Rovers from you know quite a, a nondescript first 15, 20 minutes or five minutes in your case, um, your Rovers cantered into a, a three-nil lead, and at half time it looked like it was going to be a matter of how many. Yeah. Not what and if Rovers really should have been completely out of sight, but somehow ended up being much more tense than any of us imagined. Now, is that? I mean, it was encouraging for me after that to hear Darren Ferguson, Darren Ferguson telling the press that the players had been good in the dressing room afterwards after mm. a four-three mm. win, and that's kind of that was exactly what I wanted to hear. Do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah, in that yeah, yeah. Circumstance. Yeah, well, I, I remember. Uh, half time I think I turned to you or just anyone who'd listen really but I, I were like uh, the thing that could be best about this match or the thing that could be the biggest achievement would be the clean sheet yeah well, you did to, say that yeah, yeah I'm noted for wisdom now and again <laughs> and um, but I tell you what like you know in weeks gone by you know whenever we talk about like Rovers and their like defensive frailties or you know, I, I've sort of adopted an attitude of, well, you know, as long as we score more than we're conceding, yeah. I'm starting to get really pissed off by it all. <laughs> uh, like, it's, it is, like, it's ridiculous. I still stand by my argument that it's better than, you know, dick off years. You know, you, yeah. never, you never know what you're going to get. I, I stand by that. At the same time, I just, I'm so desperate to get out of this league. I love being top of the table. It's such an amazing feeling. <laughs> I just don't know how they do. I just don't know what's happening because I'm sure in a bit we'll talk about January and that transfer window. But like, I can't, I can't see where where we're lacking. Yeah, and yet so, I, suddenly we're, we're yeah. not as comfortable as we are. Like, I mean, Steven just first goal in that game. Come out. I think it was the ball was in the attacking, not just third, attacking fifth of I, the pitch, and suddenly it was in our net. Any counter attacking movement for me in the last. I've been seeing a few games recently by the by, you know, by Fortune's Nation. There's been a few mm. Southern fixtures, but 
in every single one, every counter-attacking movement has resulted in either a very, you know, a very good chance, mm. at the minimum a half chance, or at the most a goal. Yeah. Now that needs showing up. Yeah. You know, and then you and you can't win a league like that either. I think the odd thing of that is that I, I agree with you that that Rovers do look very susceptible to the counter-attack, but you'd kind of expect that to happen and be an issue at home rather than away, where you're more likely to face a counter-attack. Yeah. Rovers seem to get it. I mean, we've uh, down, Rovers have conceded now twice as many goals away from home as they have at home mm. this season. Um, but it's just odd that we seem to be so susceptible to the counter-attack. That get, maybe it is because we've been so attacking, you know, in games where you kind of expect it to be Rovers who are on the back foot. I mean, I mean, Plymouth were like... We were just... I mean, there was just, you know, entire 10-minute, 15-minute spells when we were like in their half. And then Paul Plymouth has scored. <laughs> you know? It's absolutely right. There was one, and I, I was saying after the game, I think I wrote in the, in, in the match report, that there was, one, there was one corner where they didn't score from it, but they should have. It was a real clear header, open header, and unchallenged. Mm. And if he'd have missed it, there was at least another two players that could have had a clean header. Yeah. And you think, well, that's where they're getting the goals from. Because he's absolutely right, you know? We, we, we absolutely dominated that game yeah. in terms of possession. We were all over them. Yeah. And actually, if we'd have carved out a few more opportunities, then maybe we would have come away with a 3-2, you know? Mm. And that would have been sort of, that would have summed up the first half of 2016 for us. In, yeah. in the, the, or at the very, very least a draw, maybe. Um, actually, we should have come away with a 2-2 draw, really, given how yeah. much. But, but again, we can't, you know, we, get, well, we, will, we will get found out if we, if we ship goals and expect yeah. to score. I mean, I, obviously, I, not obviously, I, I wasn't at Plymouth and... What I was wondering is whether you thought from seeing Plymouth, who are top of the table, mm. let's not forget, um, whether, you know, was was that game a marker for the promotion race? Of the games this season, would you say, like, if you if you look back at the games we've seen this season, which admittedly for us isn't as many as most people listening, we have to admit, would you think, okay, that was the game I saw that was between the top two teams in this division? Um, not for me. I think that, that where on our, on, our, on our day, we're, we're the best. We, we we deserve to be up there and we're a League One side. We're a League One side and League Two on that display. However, um, we have propensity to go sort of conference north yeah. <laughs> yeah. on the break. It, I mean, it definitely didn't fit that narrative of like, this is the top two clashing, yeah. you know, like, no, I mean, I didn't look at, I mean, I don't know, it, they, they won, you know, like convincingly, mm. but I didn't look at that team and go, I'm trying to think of an example actually. There was there was a season in uh, there was a season in League One where they were like you know Brentford and Wolves, and I, like all season they were sort of swapping places with each other. Yeah. And you know when they met on you know the televised match, you know it, it made sense that it was like the best two teams duking it out. Like it didn't yeah. it didn't feel like that. I just think with the, the thing with this is it's like there's this, you know the manager Russell Slade who used to manage Leon mm. Orient as you know, but. Um, <laughs> They, uh, he had a thing, like his thing was that he almost like broke his record every season for how many games it took before he registered a win. Yeah. And this had gone on for years. This had been at, like when he managed mm. Grimsby and then managed Oval. And I, rem- I remember thinking, I had a lot of time for Russell Slade, you know, like really smart manager, like mm. good football man, all that. I remember thinking like, well, that's that's your pre-season, isn't it? You, mm. you have to work out why that is. Yeah. There's got to be something about... You know, like where you're taking the team, like mm. how you're setting them up. Like, there's got to be a reason why you can't win a game in the first ten. Yeah, and I think the same. I'm, that's how I'm starting to feel with Fergie. 
But mm. I'm a bit like, you have this reputation as like, you know, uh, a very open attacking manager. That's brilliant. Having had some really good times while you've been at this club, had some terrible times. But had some mm. really good times. But, the, but this goes back to your time at Peterborough. You know, like, this is a failing of you as a manager. Mm. Like, mm. you have to work out why that is. I think we, we touched on this last time, but is it a case more that Ferguson's trying to accentuate the positives in the squad and that is the attacking threat? Uh, yeah, but, I, but you don't have bad defensive-minded no, okay. players. No, that's true. You know, like, I, I sort of get that thing, you know, like, uh, don't judge me, but I've just finished uh, Sam Allardyce's book, of which uh, on several occasions he talks about being interviewed for the Rovers job. Oh, really? Did you manage to read it in a quicker time than he was England manager, or did it take you longer? Just to have interest? I, 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 I probably beat him actually. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a bit. Why, why am I telling everyone this? There's a bit. There's something important. You talked about Doncaster Rovers, didn't you? No, 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 no. That was just like a. No, it's gone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's talking. <laughs> he's talking about that. He's talking about like. You know, yeah, he always had a reputation in Bolton, didn't he? A bit sort of up and at him and like yeah. rough and ready, you know. And his thing was like, you know, well, players I had. I do think, and I, I'm always a bit, I'm always a bit skeptical when football fans talk like this. But for me, there's not a better, there's not uh, a defender that's more technically minded in this in this division than Matty Bowdry. But yet, or I don't know, like for me, like Craig Alcock, fantastic signing. Mm. Love seeing his name on the, on the team sheet. Yeah. You know, Andy Butler. Like, I, you know, I could go on. All the constituent parts are there. They're really good yeah. players. Yeah. So, that said, I have yeah. to say, uh, Matty Bowdry is um, he's starting to reveal the reason why he plays with Doncaster Rovers and not a championship side. There are odd moments in games where you were like, you, you've you lost your mind. <laughs> like, fi- like, five minutes, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's it. But yeah. there are moments where you realise, like, why we've got him. There's, ah. there's, a, there's a few of them in there that they've got the propensity to yeah. self-destruct. Yeah. Budgie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, Stephen was the first time I'd seen him like really run. Right. In all in all the games I've seen, he's like uh, he reminded me of that character in Terminator that seems to catch people up by just walking <laughs> purposefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's still there's a moment in the second half of Stephen where he actually broke into perhaps a hurried jog to get across yeah. field and intercept something, which was nice to know he's got that well, in. Well, it's a calming activity in a football player, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I like the fact that he's just felt like he's not needed it for the, the entire season up to that point, yeah. which is quite reassuring. Yeah. Um, but he perhaps does maybe want to stop short of trying to take on that fourth player in the centre circle. Well, that's it, you know. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes you just go oof it, haven't you? But I also, I also have a big thing for any player that is on the, the cusp of brilliance and calamity. I yeah. feel like you've, you've got a... I mean, I mean, I'd rather have that than someone who's five out of ten every week. I mean, I I, I love him, you know. <laughs> I, I think he's just so handsome as well. <laughs> but um, it is. Getting... Well, we've got a special surprise for you, James. <laughs> <laughs> as it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, oh, that was the music to this is your life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just pull one of the pull one of the books on that bookcase here in this lob cabin and see see who comes out from behind. Just for the benefit of younger listeners, that was a show from the past. Yeah, no. On all seriousness, because we're having far too much fun here. In in all seriousness, it needs to be sorted out. It's too amazing. Also, Plymouth, because we have moved on to that game and we were almost moving off it. We kind of almost need to and have to talk about the incident. Major talking book thing is the incident at the end around the penalty with. uh, McCormick, Luke McCormick, the keeper goading 
uh, Liam Mandeville after his miss and then Jamie Coppinger sort of letting him know what he thought about him in those sort of fits. And James, you, you wanted to talk about this specifically. Well, yeah, just because... Or has just, your anger dissipated since? No, I just feel like it's... Uh, no, I mean, you know, like kind of what cops did. I was just I was just fine with it. I just thought mm. it was like, you know, the measure of a man, good captain, like good, you know, senior pro, just... And I, I thought, the way, I thought what, you know, the way McCormick... Um, behave was was horrible but there's something that's never said about that guy mm. right and it is that like it must be absolutely crazy every time you play a football being called a murderer yeah and like I do find and I, I am a bit of a woolly liberal I do find the whole thing just like really distasteful mm. I find it really hard work and Rovers fans aren't any different from any other set of fans but don't know, man. I just, I just feel a little bit like it doesn't really fit into like my view of my ide- my ideal society. Yeah. Now I know that's not what Rovers fans are thinking, but even yeah. that, even that aside, it's the fact that it just reduces a real life tragedy to like um, to, to months. You yeah. know, um, I was seeing, I was seeing it all play out on um, on Twitter on the way home, and uh, you know, you had like Plymouth fans like defending what he had been involved in mm. as like, you know, Super Luke, you know what I mean? And you're like yeah. going, and then you had Rovers fans who were basically going, you know, calling him things that, you know, weren't what he went, what weren't what he went away for, weren't yeah. what he was, he was just to have done. And he was just going like, this is really, this is, this is horrible. This isn't what I, I love about football. We actually had, a, for the first time in a long time, a, a comment on our match report on the fanzine website which, which, which you wrote not oh, even not even yeah. more shocked than I was that I had to moderate something for the first time in six months I actually had a comment on the on your on your match report Jack from the uh, from the Plymouth fan who said obviously McCormick had been getting dogs abuse from Rovers fans throughout the game and was therefore obviously going to feel yeah, a bit of yeah. and I if McCormick had sort of saved the penalty and then celebrated by gesturing at the Rovers fans. None of that would have been nice. None of that would have been right. But I could have completely understood it mm. from his perspective. If you've had 45, particularly 45 minutes where you were in front of the away fans, of getting that abuse, want to leave it, not like you said, not want to reduce it to, mm. to bounce for what is mm. a very tragic circumstance. But where they've had, someone's had that abuse, you can understand that they've done something brilliant to silence the crowd and they've, you know, but he didn't. He celebrated a miss that he had no involvement in because he got yeah. the other way, yeah. By goading, not the person who's yeah. been giving him dogs abuse all afternoon. It, that for yeah. me, it just, oh, it no, just I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, like, he, he, the way he behaved, we're, we're all no, I know, like, yeah. Do you know I what I mean? Feel like, I feel like there, there are what I don't like is when and you see it often these days where fans will give a player, whatever player, for whatever circumstance, dogs abuse, for yeah, minutes, shouts some horrific. Things, yeah, like yeah. you said, things that perhaps are far removed from the context yeah. of what yeah. you're talking about or what's going on. And then the moment that player sort of flicks the V's at them after everyone's clamoring to the nearest steward asking him to be <laughs> reprimanded for bringing the game into disrepute. Yeah, it's totally. like you can't have it, it was, both ways. You can't it, it you was, can't hammer someone for this. And they are professionals, but they're professional sports people. Yeah. Not yeah. There was, it was it was a very difficult game yeah. to point to 250 words. No, two reasons. I can, I can imagine. The first was, and I have to bring it up, there was an exceptional pasty. I knew this was coming. <laughs> I knew this was coming. 
and I want to talk about, I could write 250 words and the rest on a critique of just that pasty. But the second bit was, and I'll put it in just a few simple words, that there was a lot more going on than just the goading of yeah, yeah. James Coppinger and, 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 and uh, Liam Mandeville. Yeah. And um, I think there was a lot more. And I actually sided on what you, you, you were saying. When sat there in the crowd, yeah. I, there's, there's times when I just looked back in disdain at sort of the stuff that was being yeah. shouted. I thought that's really rotten. Um, equally, his actions are rotten. Mm. Also to a kid that, that would have been a really good penalty had it not been for a few millimetres yeah, yeah. of which the keeper had nothing to do with. Um, who knows what was said between the players in the game yeah. I don't know I think that what I think it boils down to there was a lot of things going on there yeah. I'll tell you the thing got me thinking though actually and this is, this is maybe one for another week but I was trying to think of Rovers players who had maybe had like a, a checkered past and how I felt about them playing for Rovers and I was thinking about was the closest I could come to was Juve yeah I was there's plenty before that yeah I think like Lawrence yeah, Lawrence yeah 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 yeah, the Estelle brothers, they? Well, I mean, you're just naming people different. that I really liked here. Actually, yeah. I don't know what the Estelles. No, <laughs> Jamie Lawrence. I love Jamie Lawrence. But um, what's maybe, maybe that is a subject for another time. Yeah, totally. Right. There's, a, there's a lot in that. I loved, I loved watching Juve. I know it was an awful season, but I loved watching Juve. But then at the same time, you know, if I'd go on Twitter and be like, El Hazé Juve, what a guy. People would be like James. He's spat in the face of a child. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And like, I, rightly I, so. I, I agree. I often said of, of all the people that we brought in. Obviously, it's not mm. the sort of like, not a great collection. But but of all those sort of like mm. big names that people would recognise, I thought Juve was by far the best performing out of all of them easy, all that season. Easy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And actually, I sort of semi warm to him as well. <laughs> you think you know too? <laughs> oh, oh. sit down to a podcast. You not see that game against uh, Crystal Palace? No, I t- but I I saw the FA Cup defeat against Notts County, right. where he came on and seemed to spend twenty minutes trying to get the most obvious booking without doing anything else. I think it was very hit and miss. Yeah, right, right, right. One week on, one week off. Yeah, um, but I I think that's I think we can have a dis- Let's a come back to that another time. It might be worth, time. in the interest of uh, engagement, asking if anyone's got any, anyone that they would nominate for that conversation. I think you've just done it. But, but, but yeah, if you have got any sort of players, that, Rovers players, checkered history, love to hate or just hate for for strong reason or feel strongly about because they've had a checkered past, like you said, then then let us know on on Twitter. Didn't Rovers. James Coppinger like murder racehorses or something? <laughs> he got involved in a weird racehorse syndicate with Mark Wilson. Right. All right. Uh, just on Coppinger. Just for the record, James yeah, Coppinger didn't murder didn't any racehorses. horses that we know of. Caveat, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that the um, I mean, I like James, but I don't know everything about him. Exactly. You, um, just, you don't know a person <laughs> until you've lived with them. <laughs> until, you've, until you've checked, cross-referenced their history with the exactly, deaths of racehorses. Exactly. Um, on Coppinger, and, and I'll lead into the Grimsby game as well, which we should talk about. But I'm, I'm with you in, in the idea on the, on the McCormick thing where I think Coppinger, to defend Mandeville, was right. Yeah. I think in hindsight, the way he did it, to allowing himself to be in position to get sent off, was a bit silly. The thing we have really basically, basically, he needs to put his hands about 10 yeah. inches yeah, lower and everything would be fine. I think it was incredibly soft and it yeah. was, I mean, the referee sometimes has no other, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, the other thing we haven't said is I, I thought he was, I thought he was a really bad referee. Yeah. There was, there was a, a, a lot of shouts that yeah. didn't go our way. And that penalty was bizarre at first. Well, I, I couldn't see it properly from our end because it was yeah. at the other end, but I, I, I just thought it was absolutely bizarre. You have to remember though, is it, it, it was a little bit like watching a football match at sea. 
Like the weather was that bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there was a lot going on that end and I uh, couldn't really see what going on. Um, so there we moved on there by moving backwards, which was which was <laughs> good. But Grimsby was the other game, league game in December thus far. And everyone from Grimsby came to Doncaster there, the entire population, leaving us, I felt, very open to a Dutch naval invasion <laughs> that no one else seemed particularly bothered about. Who was running the, the, the fishing museum? Which I, I always mean, wanted to go to and I've never been. People, I, I see Grimsby's away support on Saturday as the first act in the great fish finger shortage of January 2017. So, you know... When no, you can't go to blame. Yeah, you know who to blame. It's going to be some inflation there. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> on, on that Grimsby crowd, though, and joking aside for the fact that, I mean, brilliant that 4,000 people want to go and watch their team away. And it's, but it is because Doncaster is the nearest away game to Grimsby in, in that division. It's not because, I mean, as much as we'd like to think it, it's not because Doncaster's a fantastic metropolitan, well, maybe to Grimsby it is, metropolitan draw, I don't know. Um, but it reminded me like 2003, four, which was our first season back in the league. We took an exact the same number to Hull yeah. on Boxing Day yeah. for a big game. We we took four thousand five fans in our first season yeah. back in the league in, in similar situation. Well, we were higher in the league, but we'd come back up yeah. on a good run of form. Yeah, so it's not it's not unheard of, and that is. I think credit to them for, for bringing. Well, absolutely, yeah, and I think it prompted a, a, a few more of our lot to, to get yeah. there. It seemed like a very full stadium. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, like on, on the topic of, of it not being a big much fellow in Derby and all mm. this kind of thing, you always I do always think well. Well, who is? Like Derby? Well, yeah. Who do, who, who do we consider? I mean, given the fact that it's... It, I think for Doncaster, is my point, mm. geographic proximity isn't the number one concern. Because I, Barnsley, yeah. which you, you wrote a great piece about Barnsley, but um, I was always great. But, but your wider point was that... That, that, that should be a Derby. That should be a Derby, but it yeah. never has been. Leeds, arguably. The Sheffield also. Well, you wrote, but about, you wrote about the Leeds thing as well. But yeah. they've never ever been, been there. there, there That's well, for me, it's... It's always been Rotherham and Scunthorpe. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the big two. I mean, it's the only time you'll ever describe Rotherham and Scunthorpe as being the, yeah. big, the big two. Eddie, Eddie Howe but, had a really good line this weekend when Bournemouth yeah. played Southampton, which was, it's not a rival, but I want it to be soon. I.e., now we're up there yeah, with yeah. them, and the more we play them, it will become one. Which, um, I think it's, it's, it's less about geographic proximity. I mean, obviously that's the part. It's, also it's about how often do we play, yeah, exactly. you know, how often do we run that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, I cared more about beating the Oval for a couple of seasons than mm. anyone, like. Yeah. Um, I, did th- I did always think with Leeds, though, I mean, the problem with Leeds is, like, I do, I can't think of anyone who Rovers could beat that would give me more pleasure. <laughs> That's largely down to growing up oh, yeah. in the 80s. And, you know, certain kids being Leeds and you just, like, there's a football team down the road and all that. That's, that's... 100% it with Leeds, I think. The problem yeah. is is that they just don't care about us. No. Even. But it's but it's not about, for me, like, getting us all over Leeds. It's not, It's it doesn't matter. It's not the people of Leeds that you're bothered about. It's the people of Doncaster. Yeah. That yeah, 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 totally, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The Leeds thing is the... <laughs> I never really thought about it like that. Yeah. It's, you, you know a Leeds, everyone knows a Leeds fan. Yeah. I don't know. They sell merchandise in HMV in town. Yeah. <laughs> you go into, you go into any pub, where there is live football show, the other person watching it will be a Leeds fan. Yeah. I found this throughout <laughs> my life, sadly, yeah. that you can't avoid them. Grimsby, back to that. Yeah. Um, Going good back result. to go forward again. Uh, great result. Great yeah. free kick from uh, Liam Mandeville. 
So you're up and going. Yeah, well, that's the bounce back as well, isn't mm. it? You know, like he's missed his penalty and then he goes and puts in a, a, a yeah. set piece like that. Well, bloody hell, well done. You know? Since I'm incapable of turning up to football matches until at least 15 minutes into the game, I mean, that game would have been pointless. Before. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't mind was getting so agitated, wouldn't we? Exactly, exactly. Hell of, hell, of, hell of a goal, though. The other thing, I'm, 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 there's a good interview with Mandeville on BBC, all places, after he got the Young Player of the Month. And saying obviously he only he didn't expect to be a footballer. He sort of came into the road setup at sixteen. He was he wanted to be an investment banker, which I thought <laughs> very odd career choice. So we can all be glad that we've taken one from that career yeah. path. <laughs> yeah. Put him in a football team. Just thought thought interesting. No, no, no that, that was it. That thanks. That was interesting. But he also like uh, to, to hit the free kick and, and just mm. a bit about his background highlights how mature he is for a nineteen year old. I think. Definitely. And um, and you know, good things to come from him really because not only is he a fairly talented football player, but he's got a great football mind. He's mature. He's, and um, he seems grounded, and that for yeah. me is encouraging, especially with the transfer window coming up when he's on his best form. Yeah, at nineteen. That mm. hopefully he'll think I need to do a bit more before. Well, yeah, yeah, were. yeah. Before Buddy Middlesbrough come knocking. Yeah. Well, yeah. he was he was singing the praises of being loaned out to Whitby last season to find his feet, which suggests that. He's pretty grounded. Mm. I think he'd be daft to go this this, this yeah. summer, especially when he's like. And also, I think that he's 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 found a, he's got a place in that team, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Andy Williams' place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just on that on that victory against Trinity, because that's the last home game of 2016. I had a look back at because obviously United Rovers are still unbeaten this season at home. In fact, they're actually unbeaten at home now since Easter Monday. All right. Uh, and the weird thing is with Rovers' home form, I had a look back. So after Rovers came from behind to beat Crew, Rovers then went nine straight home games without winning and now haven't lost in all the home games since. It's such a weird change in, in fortunes at home. It's just remarkable, I thought, considering extremes. The keep moats never. It's the Fergie way. Thing we've moved, talked about matches gone. We should probably move on to matches coming up. Two perhaps easier games on paper. Than those, especially Notts County, have sort of slid down the league quite a bit in uh, in the last few weeks. They've only got one win in the last eleven, and that was cup replay against against Boreham Wood on on so Notts County on Boxing Day. And the, the question I was going to ask, and I think it might be answered by Saturday, is is will we miss James Coppinger over these these games, or will we actually now look like a decent rest period for him? I think more importantly, will Rovers miss James McMahon if I can't find out a way to get to Nottingham on Boxing Day? Yeah, there's no, no change running from my end. No. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the sports bus. Make those people work. Yeah. I mean, I've sports bus in decades. Now's your time to <laughs> meet, meet your public right. once again. Right. I've been watching the steady Notts County demise for a while, though. Yeah. Because they have, yeah, Brad Phil. Are, are they in administration again? I feel like they are, Notts County. Yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be wholly surprising if no, they are. Not, not all, no, um, So that's, that's Boxing Day. I feel like we've covered that in detail. <laughs> um, box, and, and this comes back to you, actually, what you just said there. But Boxing Day for me is football. Yeah. I absolutely... Because it's 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 one of the seldom times of, in, in the year where you have the entire list of fixtures. When you're yeah. going to Bill Hill and you walk down to your local Bill Hill on, on, on that day... I've never heard it called Bill Hill. Before. <laughs> no, I, was, oh, I was thinking that was some street you? near your house. Yeah, no, 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 it's not William Hill, not the same. No, no, I'm not joking. Oh, right, right, <laughs> it's, right. just, it's just a yeah, local lad called Bill Hill. <laughs> <laughs> entire, entire so, class. Yeah, open to book. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you have that, that big, long, fat list. I love that. 
<laughs> you, are, you are the only gambler among the three of us in oh yeah I know yeah, yeah. well Bill has, has been the fortuitous recipient of uh, at least three three or four pound a year from me ever since he started up so right. you know yeah. and it's probably what keeps him afloat flo- you know when you've got competitors like William in the market you know uh, if you can't get to Notts County will you desperately seek another game oh yeah totally yeah yeah but I really I really want to go yeah. so I will maybe price up an Uber but that will be ridiculous. However, I did go to watch. Uh, I tell you, what, I wanted to go watch Barnsley one Christmas. You know, yeah. I'm like, and uh, I did get a taxi to Barnsley one year, which was ridiculous because it was like fifty quid, and I was like, I'm in Barnsley, and it's really, <laughs> really cold. And then I had to try and get back. But you know, I like the challenge. I feel like the taxi takes the challenge element out of it. So <laughs> it's not. It wouldn't be like Bear Grylls as best episode, <laughs> would it? Where I've told you about it a bit after time when I had to wee on my own hand. The other game uh, over Christmas, Mansfield Town away. Um, two things on that, just quickly. Uh, in which minute do you think the first scab chant will be of the game? <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a, a bit of the game before as well, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go for the minus minus second. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've read all of David Peters' books as well, but I'm a little bit like, after that crowd won't even know what that means. Well, when did Murderer come out in, in Plymouth? Actually, that was the second half, so I'm going to go 13 minutes on the dot. That's the 13, first scab chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not having a bet? I think maybe... The, go and see his mate Bill. <laughs> Get these on. <laughs> yeah. There's a market for it. <laughs> uh, I, I think it depends um, like what end we're at. I think it depends. You yeah. put more thought into this than I ever imagined. You do, uh, the, although in Stevenage, there was a crowd... That, you know, there's, the, You've got quite distinct... Showers, chanters, yeah. whatever you want to call them. But they're all too young. And they're, and they're very young, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so maybe, I'd like to... maybe it might be the first year it doesn't get out. It could be. I mean, I can remember the first time I heard it was was at Forest at Bellevue, mm. which which I was, again, very young. But that would have been from a group of supporters, chanters in the pop mm. stand, a lot lot older than the ones that we seem to have now, which is either way. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would have been me. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, it would probably have made a bit more sense then, because there were probably some people in that crowd who, like... Were miners. Is that like, yeah. yeah, but not now. Well, they're miners of a different kind, I suppose. Oh, I see what you've done. I'll, 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 I'll trim that pause down in the edit, <laughs> so it looks like a better joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and the other thing for Mansfield Town is uh, Steve Evans. Do, do we, we still do we still do the, the... Evans one? Yeah. No, uh, people thought it would, uh, in our survey people thought it'd run its cause. Evans watch. Do you know what didn't run its cause and got cut short? Leo Fortune's vest. So there you go. I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I'm not going to hide behind a survey, Glenn. Okay. <laughs> Listen to this podcast. Feel free to get into it. And let, tell let us, us your favourite axed which, elements. <laughs> which axed fanzine features that you want to bring back, much to my own. Probably you all want to bring ones back that involve a lot of Photoshop. Yeah. Which I'll do everything I can to refuse them. Um, <laughs> so that's Mansfield Covers. <laughs> uh, on Steve Evans, uh, he's, a bit, he's quite inoffensive now, isn't he? No. Well, he is, though, isn't he? Like, by, his, like, by his own standards, he is now quite offensive. But he just keeps his head down and gets, gets on with the job at the moment. Like. He, he hadn't wound me up for a while. He wound me up a while back. He, well, the worst thing is, the last time I saw him, he wound me up. Which right. is powerful. When he was on Football on Five highlights. Oh, right. And he kept having some in-jokes with Chris Gunter that Chris Gunter clearly didn't want to be part of, but felt really <laughs> nervous about not being part of them on life. Does he still really. introduce himself as the ex-Leeds manager, even though he's Mansfield manager? Does he introduce himself yeah. as his manager? I don't know. He, um, you know, I, I, as a man, as, as quite a big man, 
I will sympathise with him a little bit on this, but I did see him on, I believe, uh, Goals on Sunday, that really that rubbish programme that Chris Kamara does. Mm. And he was one of the guests on the sofa. And he did look, he looked like he was dying. Like, it looked like him being that big was a, was hard work for him. Like, he looked like a man that always needed to carry a handkerchief. Like, bust a blood vessel for him. <laughs> Nipple fatty. Um... I something I never got around to doing for Fuzzy that I always wanted to do. You know when, uh, and I'm sorry to bring this up because I just realised that it was against Orient, but when Rotherham won that playoff game and he haired down the touchline oh. running, I never had quite managed to find the time or the skills to superimpose that onto that Indiana Jones clip where the boulders <laughs> rolling after the uh, the trolley while they're escaping as far as Steve Evans charged after it would have been a perfect fit. Well, I felt yeah. a little bit like he needed to be like, you know, in that, there's some David Attenborough like program where there's like a walrus <laughs> chasing a seal. Yeah. It would that would be, be fairly apt yeah, as well. Yeah, boulder against slightly smaller boulder yeah. and uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> walrus against. Evans was a total rotter. He hasn't been a rotter for a while. That's what I'm saying. With that. Evans, not a rotter for a while. <laughs> you, you, heard, you definitely heard it here first. <laughs> January transfer window is a thing that I always forget about yeah. and had to be reminded about on Twitter yesterday that it existed. Um, so, for, and you touched on this earlier, James, in this podcast, if you can remember that far back now. But you felt that perhaps Rovers didn't need to make any additions in, or you not so much didn't make to two, but you couldn't necessarily see where Rovers uh, had a strong need for an addition. Yeah, I, I, think I, I, think I, I think I'm still of the same opinion. I think at a push... I'm not completely convinced by the goalkeeper. I I feel like he needs I feel like he needs stronger competition for for the for placing. Yeah. Um I think Marco Morris has done well, but there is an element that he's kind of ended up there by default. And you'd want especially you know, you think Ross Etheridge looks like he's on his way out given that he's gone on loan to Alfreton now and might be to get him some match experience, might be but the way Ferguson was talking mm. recently suggests that it's it's likely to be Angling towards a, a way out the door. Well, he had a bit of a chance, didn't he? He had a bit, mm. uh, and I just felt like, well, he didn't, I mean, he didn't take it. You know, it felt like mm. maybe a confidence thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to belittle Morose's performances this season because I think he's done very well. And he's, he's impressed me when I've seen him. I have to say that, but I think particularly the home game against Colchester, he pretty much, you know, secured the win. To be honest, uh, no Andy chances. Warrington, though, is he? No, he's not. But you can't go through life. Andy Warrington was at the game on Saturday. Well, it's Hall of Fame now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Rightly so, I have to yeah, say. But yeah. I mean, and then they also, you're always, you're always. There's a certain element of you're only as strong as your back line as well when you're a keeper. Of yeah. which I think that yeah. you know he's gonna he's, he's got a job in when you've got a guy. I mean, like I said earlier, when you've got people who have very clear goal scoring opportunities and they're afforded that a few times a game, mm-hmm. there's only so much. I mean, yeah. I, I sort of semi defend Morosi on that that on that point. Okay, fullback, I would say, is an area. Where Rovers are a weak at the moment, not as weak as they've been with with Alcox mm. return. Mm. Mitchell Lund looks like he might be back sooner than people expected, but the problem is they're both right on side of fullbacks. Again, once as much as January transfer win, window is like a big thing now, yeah, it's also a thing that you've got to treat with a bit of caution. In so much as you don't want to unsettle the team you've got. Or... Well, yeah, indeed. Yeah, I think that yeah. There's certainly there's 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 this cause for it to strengthen certain parts of the team. Certainly attackingly, I think. I think with the, you can get you can get some you can add an extra spark in January. Are you going to put in a centre back 
in January that's going to transform your fortune to the rest of the week, through the rest of the year. I'm not sure. I think that a centre back ideally would be someone that you make in June, um, introduce them into the, into pre season, and that's. I mean, this, I, I I would always you know religiously rock you going know, about the the spine of a team, but that should be there in June and, and and be familiar with the team, you know, throughout throughout the summer months. And I don't think that you can tamper with the spine in January. I'm a bit I'm, I've always been a bit sort of blase about the January yeah. transfer window. Add a bit of extra spark, absolutely. Reinforcements perhaps where needed, but but that real Yeah. You've got Andy Williams, you've got James Coppinger, you've got Morosa and you've got a centre back, which I agree there is there is something there that needs to be but uh, it's January the time. I well, no, I, I I agree with you. I, that's why I'm saying I think fullback yeah. is an area to strengthen potentially a bit more competition for for Etheridge in goal uh, for Morosi in goal. Mm. I think it's left fullback in particular. Although credit to Nam Mason, he's done a decent job actually last last few games he's been in. Beyond that though, I I don't see there's any need. We questioned two podcasts ago. We were talking about do we need another attacking option. Mandeville's answered that question yeah. really emphatically. Yeah. I think that I just 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 on behalf of my old man who I've, I mentioned earlier, very rarely if ever um, has outbursts at the game. But 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 any time Ricardo Calder gets sent on, you just hear this blah, and then that's it. You know that's sort of all you'll have. You know you're done a sheep. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask him if that was a cockerel. So different, different right. audio there. It's um, it's definitely that sort of uh, you know just despair. And, he, and he, I've got to back him up. Really, I think he's absolutely bloody useless. So um, I always wonder what it takes so, for, your, for your dad to snap. Yeah, it? well, that's Calder. Yeah, that's it. That's it. He's, he's done it. He's sort of he's done something that my mum hasn't been able to do in. 20, 20 odd years. He was good in pre-season. Calder. Calder's got something there, by the way. He's obviously got potential. It's just, he's just, I've never seen him use it. Yeah. <laughs> on, yeah. on people getting exasperated at very, not necessarily odd things, but unexpected things. When Rose moved to the chemo, and obviously moved from, I moved from being on the pop side to in the West Stand, and there was a guy who was on the road in front of us, rarely said anything out loud, in probably the first two seasons in the stadium. And then in a game in like October, there was a really innocuous like handball decision on the edge of the box. He went nuts, just absolutely lost it, on his feet, yelling, screaming obscenities. <laughs> Hadn't spoken for two years and just lost it over a really like the handball that no one else within the ground seemed to be appealing for except him. And he just went, and that was it. I'm only going to say this just because I still feel a little. I feel a little bit embarrassed. That I revealed that I've just recently read some other dices or <laughs> but there is a, a book called uh, Pigeon by the writer Patrick Suskind, who uh, he's a, he's a foreigner, you know, so he's like good and clever. In this book, it's uh, about a guy, and every single day, it's he has the same old monotony, monotony, and then he wakes up and there's a pigeon on his uh, windowsill, and then he goes crackers. I feel a little bit like that might be the same case as that guy. But there'd been innocuous handballs in the two years up to that. Maybe point. you just didn't see him. Maybe he was just yeah. looking away or just what turned up to read the program, and that was the first time in two years he felt compelled to look up. When you cut this, leave that in because I don't want people just thinking that I read. I don't think that excuses this Sam Aldice thing, by the way. I think that I mean next, you've, you've next, done well to next push podcast. Him. You're, <laughs> you're doing a thorough critique of Sam Aldice's. No, no the next podcast is. James's book. James, <laughs> James reads from the autobiography. You can do a spin off, mate. Feel free. I read Jamie Lawrence's autobiography last year. That was spicy, I can tell you. 
he got up to some things. On the, on the, on the, well, on the subject of spicy spin-offs, I wouldn't mind doing a bit of a you know, critique on that, that pasty as well. I don't I keep bringing it up, but, but you did say spicy I'm spin-off. Glad, I'm glad you went down that I'm just shooing for that. I just think take the floor, because I, I mean, you know, I don't, eat, I don't eat the little animals, but we, I, I had one, and... I'm not feeling what you're saying. I, Out of the back I of need the to, I need to I need to move this on because we really haven't got time. This to is talk money. About the, this the, is money. <laughs> this is what's going to. No, get what us I'm saying is we haven't got time to talk about the pasty now. We'll do that in Jack's dedicated pasty talk. <laughs> this is what's going to get the pasty La Vista on, on iTunes <laughs> another time. Um, quick topic to just just move things on in an attempt to look like I've got any sort of vague control over this podcast. But um, do you always get Rovers related gifts for Christmas? Um, and I ask this because I always expect to, but I never do. Even though it's the one, the first thing that any of my family or friends ever talk to me about is me supporting Rovers. Two quick points on this. The first of, of which is that we always watch Ashes to Glory. That is like a thing at Christmas. That's what we do. Yeah, but all your family are always fans, aren't they? It's just a caveat that like you're yeah. forcing people to watch that again. Well, them. even even if they're not, we do because my brother. It's a great got, idea for a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> My brother's just got this got got, got a new girlfriend and, and it was sort of the te- that was the making of her, you know, that she'd sit through the whole thing. And also that she went to Keithley and Howard Worth Valley Railway and, and in the York Train Museum. Actually I don't know what he's got. But anyway, that's a, the second thing was which is completely separate. Rover's club shop online is is just immensely difficult. And if anyone from the club is listening and wants to squeeze any last uh, drops of my Christmas spend out of me. Um, you could have sorted that out, man. I missed the days when it was a port cabin. A lot easier. Yeah, yeah it was, It's yeah. a lot easier than, than trying to get online and buy anything from that place. So there you go. I'm sorry. That, 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 I'm, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm no, depriving I'm, the club of a I'm, lot of like lost revenue there because there's people who are now going to be clicking off browsers left, right and centre. <laughs> um, and I okay, can apologise for I mean, that. But at the same time, I just, just think that it's not optimised like the club cabin was. You've, got, you've, you've just cost them three uh, Usain Bolt pointing Rover's <laughs> gnomes that could have, could have found happy homes for Christmas. I would, um, I, yeah, I, I always, I always get a bit of tat, always. But there was this period where my mum would use the same gym as Rover's players. Mm. So there was, a peri- there was a period where for Christmas I would get like, I would get like a bus ticket signed by Leo Fortune because <laughs> that was why she had the pocket. <laughs> totally. So like she'd be sort of talking to someone in the because she clarified more. She used to use the the pool in the gym where the Rovers players doing their rehab. I don't think I don't think you should get rid of the image people had of your mum doing weights alongside Rovers <laughs> players. Leo <laughs> Fortune West spotting your mum. <laughs> But she'd be sat. She'd be sat in there in the pool, and she would tell me who was uh, Billy Sharp. Billy Sharp was oh, a bit cool. was a bit too boisterous. Apparently, was he, he was, bombing. He was basically yeah. They were all like trying to do their laps gently, and he was just all the waves, James. All the waves he was making. But now she'd just give me these sort of bits and bobs, just just tap that she'd get signed by Rovers players. It, they were great times. On on the thing of uh, Christmas things signed by Rovers, I just remember what you got me. Two years ago for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Where you went weird, to Rovers away. I can't remember. Was it Fleetwood? Uh, or it was Oldham. It was Oldham. Was it Oldham? Yeah. And you took a pack of very cheap Christmas cards and got... Uh, oh, <laughs> judging them for being cheap. 
Uh, I wasn't judging them. I was just, I was just, I was just helping people picture them. And then you stood outside the ground, and instead of getting players to autograph a book, you got them each to autograph an individual Christmas card, and then you posted them all to me individually. That was so. I came down to my bat one day. So I was brilliant. I came down. I came down. Came out of my room to to the mat front door mat to fourteen identical envelopes. Opened one, and the best thing was I couldn't tell who any of them were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it was only Jamie McCombs that was vaguely readable that made me realise what I was actually opening, and the fact that I recognised your handwriting on the envelope. I remember Richie Wellens. He, I remember having yeah. the handwriting of a little lad, like is it tongue out while he was saying. <laughs> yeah, um, there was one in crayon, so that might explain who <laughs> that was. I'm tempted to put them on eBay, not because I don't like. I've still got them. No, just because I want to see what the interest is of this podcast. Let Glenn Wilson know that that's unacceptable. I'm not going to. No, it's not. I'm pleading with. I'm doing a lot of interaction this week. Just tempted to see the interest in 15 individual Christmas cards signed by Doncaster Rovers. No, yeah, fair dues. Fair dues. That probably covers us, to be honest. I think we've I think we've been wide ranging. <laughs> I think we've covered everything Christmassy. You up are, to this you, point. right. This is the point where you need to tell everyone what a clever man you are. The, the quality of the edit might have undone that. To be honest, up to this point. But so yeah, two things, two bits of fanzine Christmas news slash December news. But obviously, we won uh, fanzine of the year for 2016 for popular stand from the FSF Awards. We were there at the. Very glitzy awards, surprisingly glitzy awards uh, earlier this month. And I think I can safely say of the 13 different award winners on the night, we were the most surprised and shocked of any award winners. Everyone else seemed to walk up a bit too assuredly, for my liking, whereas we were sat discussing whether it was actually us who'd won or not. Well, yeah, I mean, we were were giddy little idiots. (laughs) Um, Um, you You did tell James Richardson... That you loved him no, just no, before no. he asked me how winning <laughs> felt. It threw me off a little bit, if I'm honest. I also, and I probably shouldn't be telling you this because you might not invite me next year, there was also a bit where I sort of looked at him and I went, Go Lazio! <laughs> <laughs> Incredible honour. Incredible honour that we're very, I'm very proud of. I assume everyone else is as, as well. And I think it's testament to the quality of writing that we've had in the fanzine for the last year. So I think that award is very much for everyone who has written for us and helped sell the fanzine over, over the last year. When's um, the open top bus parade? When I can get a bus big enough to cope with the weight of that award. Yeah. It's <laughs> surprisingly hefty. It, is, it was heavy like. Um, so that's one bit of news. The other bit of news is, as ever, Popular Stand is not-for-profit, as we always bang about all year, and that's why we ask you to pay a minimum pound for the fanzine and pay more if you can, if you want to, if you're able to. And thankfully, a huge number of you do. Uh, every issue um, and the subscribers this year vast numbers of paid paid way over uh, what we're asking you to pay the upshot of that is that having already given away £300 in the summer um, it meant we could also give away £1,000 for Christmas so we've given away £250 to four different charities in Doncaster that are all making a vital difference in our hometown I'll bring you into that Jackie though I know Doncaster's not your hometown so we've given £250 to Don Mencher, who help uh, people suffering from dementia in Doncaster. Um, Guru Nanak's Free Kitchen, which is a Sikh group that feed the homeless. To South Yorkshire Women's Aid Doncaster, which is the group that set up Women's Aid to replace the Women's Aid that had been forced to close due to council cuts. And also 
to uh, Dressax, which is Doncaster Rape and Sexual Abuse Counselling Service, who provide a valuable service. And given the nature of the service they provide, can often find it very difficult to go and ask people for funding. So we're happy to, to give them some money as well. So we've done that and we're very happy to do that as we have done in previous years. And again, that is down to the generosity of, of you people buying the fanzine, really, because that's that's where the money comes from. So, so thank you to all of you for enabling us to, to do that at this time of year. So a serious note there to end on, I think, from us, which, which, but I think justified it. At least. I feel like Jack needs to sing Frosty the Snowman or something, just to get <laughs> some levity back. I can, I can do that. If, I mean, if that's that you're after. I'll, um, I'll just put some sleigh bells over. I'll, yeah, I'll just assume that you've done that. Yeah, and it's like. I mean, we've got to be out of this log cabin soon because George Michael wants it back. So we should I think I heard a bear. Maybe we should, well, I think that was just Andrew originally. <laughs> let people know that he's still about. Um, so on, on that note, of all notes, uh, we'll end it there for, for 2016. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to, to all of you. Uh, hopefully you'll get through this podcast and it won't spoil the rest of your Is it going to be out before Christmas? Hopefully, yeah. Right. Uh, well, let's cover that. That's good then. <laughs> you'll be out. <laughs> <laughs> happy Easter <laughs> so uh, happy new year happy Easter happy Valentine's Day happy, happy, Halloween. Su- happy summer solstice to all of you uh, wherever you are and we'll be back with you uh, towards the end of January for the podcast the next fanzine is out on the 21st of January at Rovers Game Against Crew so we'll be out selling them we'll look out for them but as I said have a, have a great Christmas and all the best for 2017 thank you